No timeouts, and now inside of two minutes. Aired out downfield, and picked! Richard Sherman gets his fourth in his postseason career and ends this game. What a way to end the game. Uh, Richard Sherman sending the 49ers to Miami, sealing the lopsided victory against the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. Uh, How you doing, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. You can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. Uh, That clip you just heard, courtesy of Fox and the NFL. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. What's going on, Zach? It was really exciting to be at the game this past Sunday. And, I mean, we got to watch the Niners just mollywop the Packers, dude. And I really thought this game we watched was a lot better than the time they played last. I know the scoreboard says otherwise. You know, obviously, last game was 37-8. to This one was, what, 34-20, to 37-20. to But, I mean... Dude, it was dominating. I felt like throughout the whole game, even when the Packers were scoring in garbage time, it just felt like the Niners were absolutely controlling the clock, controlling the Packers, controlling themselves, and they just they just came away with a big win, dude. So let's get into it. I'm really excited. As always, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. It's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Hell yeah, man. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, we were there courtesy of Nick Clark, director of fan engagement. Uh, thanks to him inviting us out as a part of Nothing But Niners. And Anthony and I had, you know, we're lucky enough to be there and see the 49ers win this game, whoop the Green Bay Packers just completely into submission. And I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Um, Anthony, let's go ahead and get right into this. Let's not waste any time. What stood out to you the most when you think back on Sunday's game? Where do I even begin, dude? The defensive line was just going after Rodgers all day. The linebackers were flying around. The DBs were flying around, picking the ball, breaking up passes, making plays. The offense, dude, the offensive line was on fire. They were getting pushed left and right. Packers' defensive line stood no chance. But, I mean, what about the run game, dude? Now, I know Garoppolo went 6-8, of eight, but, hey, those six passes were really good. <laughs> but the big story of the day, man, Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert, you know, 20-plus carries, over 200 rushing yards, four touchdowns. What can't the guy do? He's, you know, a late-season story, kind of went under the radar for most of the season, has really emerged the past few weeks, including the playoffs. And again, what can't the guy do? The guy is running for his life out there. He's having a career season, if you will. I mean, he's got fresh legs. I think prior to the Niners, he only had six career carries. But, I mean, dude, when you have that kind of game, he stood out to me the most, man. Raheem Mostert, have yourself a day, dude. That was absolutely incredible what we got to watch. Yeah, he, man, just the perfect marriage of him and Kyle Shanahan in that system because I don't think, you know, there's not too many running backs that kind of fit together in their offensive system as well as Mostert does in this system. And he was just a beast. Uh, The Packers defense had no answer for him. And you could tell the secondary wanted no part of him. Um, I saw Jennifer Lee Chan of Niners Nation report. He had 158 yards after contact and seven rushes of 10 plus yards. 
So that was just amazing. And uh, those those stats were the best of any running back in this postseason. And he also rushed for 10 first downs, the most of any 49ers player this season. So Mostert, man, he balled out. Um, but for me, what stood out to me, I think, the most this game was uh, Kyle Shanahan and his ability and just willingness to stick with something that works. Um, we've heard him say previous weeks, hey, you know, why did you only throw the ball X amount of times? And he would say, because they couldn't stop the run. And, you know, to me, to be honest with you, I kind of felt like that was a cheap answer. And it was kind of like, okay, sure. But, you know, like, what really was it? I honestly believe him. I honestly think he, he's going to do it because it's working. It's like, why why wouldn't you do it? You know, if you're if you're doing something, you're getting, you know, $500 for taking a step out of bed, you would keep doing it. You know, it's like, it's it's the easiest thing ever. And it's working. It's getting the results I want. Of course, I'm going to do it. So I think that. He's proven that he's going to do something until the opposing team forces him to stop. And it might not be sexy. It might not be fun by today's uh, standards in the NFL. But I don't think he cares about any of that. I don't think he gives a damn. So I think that that definitely stood out to me the most, watching Mostert just run all game long. Um, Anthony, do you think that the Vikings posed more of a threat than the Packers did? (laughs) No, not at all. I do think the Vikings, honestly, I do think the Vikings are a better team, though. You know, Matt LaFleur in his first season took the Packers to 13-3. and They had a really good season, but, I mean, you look at the schedule they played, dude. They played the Giants, the Redskins. Obviously, their division is trash. The Vikings suck. The Lions suck. The Bears suck. They all kind of suck. But I think if you were to put them head-to-head again, <laughs> if it wasn't prime time, I think the Vikings would have the edge because... Look, the Vikings have the better defense. They really do. I think they have a better D-line. They have better linebackers. They have better secondary. And overall, I think their defense is just coached a lot better. And I mean, at halftime in the Vikings game, it was 14-10. to 10. You thought like, okay, you knew the Niners were in control. But I mean, one play could kind of decide the game, whether it's the third or fourth quarter. And, you know, you didn't necessarily count out the Vikings, although you had a good feeling that the Vikings were kind of going to blow it. And I would say the same thing about the Packers, too, dude. I mean, the Packers just, they blew it from the start, man. I mean, Raheem Mostert just, he he just demolished the Packers, dude. I mean, on third and eight for his first touchdown, Kyle Shanahan calls a draw trap play. Like, Mike Pedden had no idea that was coming. I mean, they had their pass rushing defensive line out there. They thought pass. Kyle Shanahan said otherwise on third and eight, and it was a touchdown. And from that moment on, you knew that Kyle Shanahan was going to absolutely outcoach and outsmart Mike Pedden. You know, Kyle Shanahan is playing chess on the hardest difficulty, and Mike Pedden looked like a rookie out there, dude. And you know, Shanahan has had Pedden's number for years as far as long as far as they've played each other, and it showed again. I mean, rushing for over 250 yards as a team, even if Garoppolo didn't need to pass through, Garoppolo still did what he had to do. He got the job done. And again, it doesn't matter if he passes eight times or if he passes 40 times. You still got to believe in the guy. But overall, though, they dominated the Packers, dude. You look at the Vikings, you look at the Packers, and you look at the way the Niners played both of them, they both looked weak, dude. (laughs) It's hard to compare because the Vikings are good, and I do think they're better, but man, they're both bad, dude. They're both really, really bad. And I mean, not that the Niners aren't obviously a Super Bowl team, but they they made the Packers and Vikings look like they should have been tanking this season. That's how bad both teams played. You know what? I I hear you out, and I, I do see your points there, but I, I actually think that the Vikings put up more of a fight than the Packers did. 
Um, it looks like the Packers wanted no part in this game. They wanted no part of being uh, head-to-head with the 49ers. And it, it just it showed the entire game. I mean, what was it, like 27 and nothing going into halftime? Um, I think the Vikings' defense was a lot more uh, willing to kind of get physical with the 49ers' offense. Uh, and I think that, you know, on the flip side – the Packers offense is kind of has higher potential to, you know, the big play bust, but I, it, it's hard. It's hard for me because Aaron Rodgers, you can go play by our position by position. And I think this, it kind of leans more towards the Packers, but it didn't really work out like that. I mean, the Packers did not put up as much of a fight as the Vikings did. And, you know, mind you, that's not saying much because the Vikings only put up 10 points. At least the Packers put up 20. I know a lot of it was in garbage time. But, ugh, I mean, it, to be to be honest with you, they're both sad performances by both teams. And that's not me trying to talk trash. That was just, man, that was rough. I mean, we heard all season long that the Packers were the phoniest 13-3 and team, you know, that, that we've seen in a while. And I think it, the 49ers just went out and proved that on Sunday. Um, Anthony, moving on to my next question. Speaking of 49ers defense, they were all over the field against the Packers. And, you know, they, to be honest, they were all over the field against the Vikings as well. Is this style of play something that's sustainable and the 49ers can achieve over a long period of time? Or is this just kind of something that's hit or miss and they got to hit it while it's hot? I think it's sustainable. But once we get to the Chiefs game, and obviously we'll break that down later in the week. Once we get to the Chiefs game, though, and you see that the Chiefs are going to move the ball efficiently, it's going to make you think, like, wow, the Niners aren't going to play like this consistently throughout the season. But they have proven that they can handle decent offenses, if you will. I mean, the Saints game, you know, that, that was just a flop. But, I mean, they contained Russell Wilson pretty well. Kyler Murray was contained pretty well. You saw how they did against Lamar Jackson, and obviously Lamar isn't ready as a passer yet. He can still run the hell out of the ball, but he's not ready as a passer. The Niners did a good job with him. They did good against Kyler Murray. God, who else? Jameis Winston obviously had a one hell of a season. But, I mean, you have a quarterback like that, and you could tell the pass defense just they did what they had to do against him. So, in a sense, yeah, I think it's is very sustainable. You keep Robert Sala, you keep Joe Woods if he doesn't leave. Obviously, you keep Chris Kosierik and you keep those guys. You try to keep the personnel the same moving forward. And, yeah, I think it is sustainable. Now, if we lose Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward, I think it will be hard to replace those kind of guys. But I don't doubt Robert Sala and these guys to really find that next big piece of the puzzle. Because, I mean, you know how football is, dude. This next man up. But overall... You know, we see how well this defense has played with the injuries. I mean, you know, not having D Ford was tough. It was really tough. But David Lombardi some time ago was saying that the Niners were getting a really similar amount of pressure, even without D Ford. So obviously the sacks weren't there, but the pressure was there. And then obviously they lost. God, who they lose? You know, Spoon has been struggling. Mosley came in. They've been kind of flip-flopping on playing time. Jaquaski Tart had a few weeks out with the rib injury. Obviously, Quan Alexander's been gone. 
Um, Ronald Blair tore his ACL, you know, Demontre Moore broke, you know, I can go on and on. But the fact that they're able to rotate these guys in and out and the defense has still been able to be very successful, it goes to show how well built the team is and how well the team can move forward with the pieces that they have. Again, even if they lose Armstead and Ward, you know, I think Robert Sala and those guys like Tavarius more and they like these young pieces that they have to fill the puzzle. And even if they don't, you know, you can always do free agency, you can always do the drafts. So there's a ton of options, but I mean, Losing two pieces is tough, but since they have the core and they have these guys who have played with each other for a full season, dude, they're going to be together for a long time. And no matter who's out there, I really think it's going to, I think it's always going to be filthy, dude. I think this defense has a chance to be successful and be able to hold that success for a long period of time. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I actually think that one of the main keys in all of this is D Ford, and I don't think that's a stretch by any imagination. I don't think that that's you know unknown here. We've seen it recently with his absence and then his return to the starting lineup, how much he impacts the 49ers defense. Um, but I think they have a lot of guys under contract already, and I think that their ability to get home with only four, obviously, you know, the, the lower amount of guys you need to get home, the lower amount of guys you need to keep around permanently. So I think that that really, really helps their chances um, of making this something that is sustainable. And, you know, you even heard John Lynch in, in the post game in the locker room. They were interviewing him, and he kept saying, I think this is a, a formula that we've put together that is sustainable for the long run. It's something that we can we can repeat year after year. It's not a fluke. It's not something that, um, you know, we happen to get right this one year, but it's not, you know, we can't duplicate it. No, I think they know exactly what the formula is. And not only that, they've proven year after year since they've been here, they can hit on some draft picks. And, you know, not only early on, they can hit on some late round guys. I mean, look at George Kittle. He was the highest graded player of any position by pro football focus this year. He was a fifth round tight end. So I just think that the 49ers, they have an incredible scout team. They have an incredible just staff altogether. And I think it's, it's you know, evident when other teams are constantly trying to poach coaches off of their staff even when they were doing badly so I think it's definitely sustainable I think the 49ers are here to stay um it would take something major for this to not repeat itself but I definitely think that their window is is becoming wide open and man I I couldn't be more excited for it Anthony um moving on to my next question speaking of the defense we're going to stay on topic here they pitched a shutout in the first half against the Packers. What allowed that to happen? I think it was a good blend of just knowing that Rodgers is going to check a lot of things down. And, I mean, Richard Sherman was shadowing Devontae Adams for a good amount of the first half, and that's what Eric Crocker was talking about on Twitter, was, you know, the whole beef that was going on between Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman about, oh, if you're a man-to-man corner, you're a better corner, and you're more proven than a zone corner. And it's like... You know, I don't understand. I mean, whatever Darrell Revis is trying to prove, okay, I guess. But, I mean, both of you guys are out there, and both of you guys were at the peaks of your position at one point. Sherman, I think, still is. You know, he hasn't... Sherman's speed has kind of dropped off, but I don't think his play has actually dropped off. But, I mean, overall, though, it's like these these dudes are two top corners, and it's like you can play different kind of styles, but if you're good at what you do, that's all that matters, dude. Stop trying to stop trying to gas this dude for no reason. But I, I digress, dude. I mean, Sherman was all over Devontae Adams. Emmanuel Mosley was easily all over guys like Jerron Allison, Marquez Scantling, Jake Kumaro. 
you know, Jimmy, uh, excuse me, you know, mostly did well against those guys. And then Fred Warner over Jimmy Graham or Quan over Jimmy Graham, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. These guys just, they just dominated well. So whatever happened, I think they just, they just ultimately kicked ass, dude. They really, really, really just kicked ass through and through. And, you know, things like you saw Mosley get the interception and, you know, it was a poorly thrown ball by Aaron Rodgers, but he was able to kind of read, adjust, sit on that route, and he, he saw it coming and he took it. And that's really what you need young guys to do in big games like the NFC Championship. Um, you need them to be able to come through, not allow the big plays over top, because, man, a couple big plays and the Packers are right back in that and they have all the momentum going their way. That can really shift things. So it was really good to see Mosley out there doing well. And, you know, not to put Spoon down, but who knows how the game would have been if Spoon was in there the entire game over Mosley. So that's just something to keep an eye on moving into, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, Anthony, what did you think about the passing defense as a whole? I mean, Aaron Rodgers kind of had, I think he had over 300 yards um, on the day, but it seemed like most of it came in garbage time. Did you think... um, we should make anything of that? No, I wouldn't make anything much of that. I mean, I know Sherman Mosley were in on the field during, you know, the garbage time, if you will. But a lot of the coverage they were playing was soft in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. It was just soft coverage. Like, look, we're going to give you these yards. We're going to give you these points. But we're just trying to get out of here. And, I mean, even when the Packers scored, the Niners just ran the ball well. They clocked the rest of the game damn near. Obviously, Sherman's pick ended it. But still... I, w- I wouldn't worry much about it. You know, they have a big game to defend against in a couple of weeks. Obviously, Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, you know, that receiving core is nothing like what the Packers' level of receiving is. But I wouldn't look too much into it. You know, some people are like, oh, well, the Packers still put up 20 points against this so-called good defense. And it's like, well, they weren't really trying in the second half. I mean, they were trying, but, like, there's no way Sherman is putting 100% out there. There's no way Mosley is putting 100% out there. They're just soft coverage trying to get these guys, you know, to kill the clock themselves and just end the game. And, no, I don't think what happened was really predicated or predictive, I guess, of how the pass defense is or what anything we should be worrying about. Like, Aaron Rodgers, 31-39, 326 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Yeah, those are really good Aaron Rodgers numbers, but I mean, a lot of those numbers came in the second half, a lot of them. And when you see that was a shutout at halftime, that's all you need to know about how well the pass defense and the defense as a whole was playing. So if the Niners can shut out Aaron Rodgers, and I know Mahomes is way better than Rodgers in my opinion, but if they can shut out the Packers and shut out Aaron Rodgers for one half, I sure as hell think the Chiefs... Could, they the Niners can get away with allowing maybe a touchdown or two against the Chiefs in one half and call it a victory. But uh, I wouldn't worry, dude. I wouldn't worry at all. These guys are built for this. They're ready for the Super Bowl. You know, I know Spoon started the season, got hurt. Mosley came in, played well. Then Spoon came back in, played poorly. Now it's Mosley and Sherman. These guys are battle-tested, dude. It doesn't matter who goes out there. Even if Spoon has been struggling, I still believe in the kid. And I believe in all these guys, dude. I think they're absolutely ready for this next upcoming test. 20 points is 20 points. I don't think much of it. Garbage time, I'll let it slide. I think I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean, and I think the the main stat that you left out there was his QBR. Aaron Rodgers had a QBR of 22.3. And for those that don't know, um, QBR measures kind of a whole bunch of factors but one of the main thing is expected points uh i believe per play or per attempt and aaron Rodgers 
you know, he just he, he has pretty stats, but he's kind of been known to protect the ball, not risk it. If he feels like he's going to ruin his TD to interception ratio or just completion percentage, he won't do that. He'd rather, um, you know, take the sack or throw the ball away. So it's just it's really frustrating to see somebody who's kind of mindfully toying with this, his stats in real time. Uh and I think that that speaks volumes that his QBR was only 22. I think last time it was like 9 or something like that. So I guess it's an improvement. But man, it's, it's still pretty bad. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo threw 8 passes and he had like a 50-something. So, I mean, he had a 51.6 QBR. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't do anything against his 49ers defense. He had one bomb to Devontae Adams. And Sherman even said, you know, like, that was my bad. I gave an easy one up. But other than that, man, it was just dinks and dunks the whole night. Screen passes, quick slants, and letting the receivers and running backs kind of pick up the yardage afterwards. So I wouldn't be worried about it at all because Aaron Rodgers is arguably still one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL. And, I mean, the 49ers defense made him look like a chump. I mean, it made him look like Mitch Trubisky out there. So I just thought that, you know... It's frustrating what he does with his stats, and he's mindfully toying with them. I can't stand that. Um, Anthony, if you would have, if you had to pick one area of concern for the 49ers defense, what would you pick? God, area of concern for the defense. I think. God, the defense has been so good. It's really hard to pick anything. I. God, I guess I'll get really nitpicky. I guess his defensive line consistency. And, I mean, you know, they only sacked Aaron Rodgers, what, three times, two times? So it wasn't that much. And I know the Packers have a really, really good offensive line, and it is better than the Chiefs. But I still think having that consistency to actually hit pressure or get pressure and hit home is huge. And I'm not saying the defensive line can't get pressure consistently because they do. All four or five of those guys can, whether it's Ford, Solomon Thomas, Bosa, Buckner, Armstead, hell, even Anthony Zettel is getting out there making plays. You know, these guys can go out there and they can ball out, but it's being able to do it on a consistent level where I want to see Mahomes get sacked like five or six times. And I know that's asking a lot, but I mean, they sacked Mahomes, or excuse me, they sacked Vite, uh, uh, they sacked Kirk Cousins six times, you know? And if they can sack Cousins six times with the average offensive line, they can get to Mahomes too. And I don't think Mahomes has as good of an offensive line as the Packers do. So there's a lot of hope there. But again, being consistent, getting pressure, hitting home with the sacks, because I think there's been a lot of times this season where the Niners have come really close to getting sacks. And I know they've had to play guys like Lamar Jackson and Wilson and Kyler Murray where they are mobile and they can get away from that. But even guys like Aaron Rodgers and Kyle Allen and, you know, hell, even Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, it's like there were sacks on the table that they could have gotten that weren't there that they evaded. And I get that's the regular season, so I look back at that sillily, and it doesn't really matter compared to now, now that it's a Super Bowl. But again, hitting home on those sacks can be the difference between throwing an interception, fumbling the ball, or giving up an 80-yard bomb. So I think having that consistency, being able to hit home with the sacks, I think that would be huge for the Niners. I don't think they can't do it, but again, they've flashed signs where they have missed those opportunities, and now that the Super Bowl is here, dude, they cannot miss those opportunities at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's vitally important, especially with a quarterback like Mayhomes, that they get home, um, they don't allow him to extend plays, and we didn't see it much in, in Sunday's game against the Packers. 
But my area of improvement for this 49ers defense, you kind of touched on it there towards any of your answer, is mobile quarterbacks. Quarterbacks who are able to extend the plays, quarterbacks who are able to kind of uh, be unpredictable, roll out, you know, just keep the play running and turn into really backyard football. The 49ers defense seems to have a really hard time defending that. And, um, you know, Mayhomes is unbelievably quick. So I think they have their hands full. And I mean, this isn't a, a, a Super Bowl preview yet, but just kind of looking forward into something that they're going to have to improve on for that game. That would definitely be my answer um, because we've seen it in, in the past, like you said, with guys like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, um, you know, guys like that. They're able to kind of extend the plays, get out of the pocket, you know, juke out defenders. And the 49ers are really going to need to be disciplined and not fall. I mean, shit, even Jared Goff was doing, getting him with the bootleg. And I was screaming at my TV. It seemed like it was happening every play. And they couldn't make any damn adjustments to, to, to fix it. So there's going to be a lot that's going to have to change. But that's kind of my main focus for them, I think, would be moving forward, is to make sure they stay disciplined, make sure they contain the edge. And uh, make sure they don't allow any any lanes to open up in the middle for him to step up, even if they are containing the edge. Now, Anthony, let's go ahead and move on to the offense. First things first, let's go ahead and get this giant elephant out of the room. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. Is there any concern about that? No, 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 no. I mean, we've seen what Jimmy Garoppolo can do when he has to throw the ball. Look at the Saints game. Look at both Arizona games, arguably. The second Seattle game, if you will, I said New Orleans. I mean, the list goes on, dude. Jimmy Garoppolo has proven he can throw the ball when he needs to. If he doesn't need to throw the ball and put the team <laughs> put the team in a bad situation, not that he will, but we've seen him throw some kind of crappy picks. But, I mean, even when he does, the guy bounces back, and he answers with those picks. He answers with touchdowns. He answers with points. So he can do it. You've seen Colin Cowherd give Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of love, and it's because he sees it because Garoppolo wins games. Whether he's going 6 for 8 or whether he's going 38 for 42 or whatever it may be, Jimmy Garoppolo wins games for this team. Whether he's throwing 10 passes, whether he's throwing 50 passes, I think we'll need to see 40 pass Jimmy Garoppolo for the Super Bowl, even with the running game doing well. But no way in my mind do I think Garoppolo is going to put the team in a bad situation because, again, he's proven he can carry the team to victories. Look at the Rams game. Look at the Cardinals game. Look at the Saints game. It goes on and on, Zach. The guy can carry the team. And even though we haven't seen it, and I think the media has been just feasting on poor Garoppolo because he hasn't been able to throw 30-plus passes, and that's okay. It's like these guys aren't realizing that the Niners have been running the ball so well. Why pass it? You know, if he only needed eight passes, he only needed eight passes. That's no problem at all. You look at what Mostert was doing to the Packers. He was shredding them. He accounted for four touchdowns alone. If that's all he needs, if that's all the Niners need for victory, Garoppolo can take five passes if he wants to. I don't care. These guys just... They go out there, Shanahan calls one hell of a game, and he trusts Garoppolo. Even if he took the, he takes the ball out of his hands sometimes, I still think Shanahan trusts Garoppolo with whatever the situation may be, and he's proven he can get the job done, and if he has to in the Super Bowl, I think he can get the job done. Yeah, I don't really see um, this as anything other than something that the media is trying to turn into a giant narr- uh, narrative because, like you said, he's proven. He's proven that he can do it. Um, and right now it's just not being asked of him. 
And I think a lot of people forget because he's been in the league for a few years that this is his, his first starting season as an NFL quarterback. He's still young in that aspect. And I think Coach Shanahan is doing all he can do to minimize the risk of him making a mistake and of him kind of turning the game the other way. So I just don't understand why people are turning in this into such a big deal because it really isn't. Um, I mean, it really isn't at all. And especially when he's proven that he can go out there and he can he can throw it. He can keep up with the best. He can keep up with Drew Brees. He can go up with Aaron Rodgers. He can keep up with, you know, any of these guys, if need be, Russell Wilson. Um, and he has a team behind him that allows him not to do that. I don't understand why that's you know, why that faults him and makes him any less of a quarterback. I saw David Lombardi tweet this out, I believe, the other day or yesterday. And he said, we can expand this to games which Jimmy Garoppolo really had to throw 35 or more attempts. The team is 5-1. and one. He's averaging 8.3 yards per attempt, 70% completion rate, 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So, I mean, it's just he's a talented quarterback. He can do the job. He can outduel just about anybody. I, I have no, you know, no doubt in my mind that he could keep up with uh, Mayhomes if it if it comes to that sort of game. And you know, he's just. I think he's got a hell of an arm. He's super bright. He makes some boneheaded plays, and I honestly think that's why Shanahan is trying to minimize how much he's been throwing in the postseason, just to make sure that doesn't happen. But also, you got to remember. There's no tape on him now in the postseason. There's what, maybe like 20 combined pass attempts for the Chiefs to go off of. So that's also something you got to keep in mind. Shanahan has a lot of it up his sleeve because there's nothing to go off of. There's nothing, you know, there's running plays, running plays, running plays, running plays. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is just going to take the world by storm come Super Bowl Sunday because other than the regular season, there's nothing recent to study. And, you know, I saw also Evan Kaplan tweet this out. Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback in the NFL to finish top five in pass touchdowns, completion percentage, yards per attempt during the regular season. So that's just amazing. Um, You know, the only quarterback in the NFL to finish top five in those three um, aspects. So, and, you know, yet people love slandering his name. They love saying that he's not a capable quarterback. They love saying that the 49ers are winning in spite of him. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, we saw early in the game, running back Tevin Coleman, unfortunately, fell down awkwardly. And, and uh, you know, it looked at the time like it was an upper or a forearm injury or such. It was later announced to be a uh, dislocated shoulder, I believe. Um, how concerned are you with that injury, Anthony? If Shanahan said Coleman has a good chance to play in the Super Bowl, I think he'll be active. I mean, you know how I feel, though, dude. I really want to see Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson was the hottest running back in the NFL, in my opinion, to start the season. I mean, he had, what, four touchdowns in two games, five touchdowns in three games. The guy was on a roll, and the guy scores. And, I mean, Tevin Coleman, you know, in the Vikings game was really good. And then I thought he was going to have a decent game on Sunday, but obviously he got hurt. So it sounds like he's going to play. I would be a little concerned because that shoulder injury looked kind of nasty, to be honest. And I guess it was a dislocation. But, hey, next man up in this offense, dude. I mean, if Mostert can run it, Brita, I'm sure, could run it. I know he's been sluggish, but Brita has a chance to run it, dude. Whether it's Jeff Wilson, though, Coleman, Brita, Mostert, Debo, who takes carries. 
all these guys can get the job done, man, and I wouldn't be too concerned. I think Coleman is the perfect goal line back, though, outside of Jeff Wilson for this offense. And, hell, not having him I don't think is the end of the world. But you look at how he played in the Vikings game, and you thought, oh, man, we're finally getting that version of Coleman again where we know what this Coleman is and we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. And then he gets hurt. And then I think having that kind of injury in the postseason with two weeks off is a huge setback. So will Coleman play? It sounds like it. But I don't think he'll get anywhere near the carries that Mostert has been getting. Because, again, Mostert deserves all the carries in the world. He's the most dynamic back. He can catch out of the backfield. Obviously, he can run well. He hits running lanes well. He finds gaps in the line. And he just makes something out of nothing. And I don't think Coleman is effective in that way. I do think Coleman is effective, but I think Mostert as a whole and as a player is just way more dynamic than Coleman. Man, you you really do love you some Jeff Wilson. Um, You've been campaigning for him all year long. Uh, I'm not as concerned as others with Coleman's injury. I think the 49ers all year have kind of been lucky enough to have a really, really good stable of running backs, including Jeff Wilson, if need be. Um, but I, I think he gives it a go. It's the Super Bowl. I don't think um, if there's any chance that he can play, I honestly don't think that he's not going to. So, you know, and, and he's got two weeks to rest. Um, we'd have to confer with our, our in-house medical guy, Matt Llewellyn, but I think he's got a good chance. I'm not too concerned with um, the rest of the guys having to perform. Like you said, Moster has proven he could be that bell cow running back. And he could get the bulk share of carries, and he's not gonna, you know, buckle under pressure. He's not gonna. It's not gonna be too much for him in his small frame. So I, I I'm not too concerned about it. Um, although I do hope that it doesn't cause further injury to him because you never want to see that happen. Um, now, Anthony, if Coleman say he is out for the Super Bowl, I know you talked about Matt Breida and and have, giving him a go and possibly bringing up Jeff Wilson. Um, if Brita gets more carries in the Super Bowl. How would you feel about that? Are you nervous uh, about him being more involved given his fumbling history? I think I I would be concerned. I really would. And I mean, you see Brita goes through all the highs and lows including injuries, and you know Shanahan believes in Brita even if he hasn't been getting the carries. But dude, the, what he fumbled in the Vikings game and I know it didn't matter, but like he still fumbled. It's huge. It should matter even when it doesn't. And then in the Packers game, he got a couple carries. It didn't do much with him at all. You know, he started pretty good for the season, then just fell off a cliff. Injuries were nagging him. Mostert and Coleman showed up. And then he kind of just lost snaps and lost carries. And when he was getting those carries, he was fumbling or he was only gaining a couple yards of play. And I don't know what it is. I think Brito just has... I think he just has some confidence issues. Like, once he gets in his rhythm, once he gets in the flow of things, I think Breed is one of the best backs in the league. I really do. But when he's going through that bad phase, when he's going through a time in which I think he's struggling, he he's one of the worst in the league, honestly. And I think it's really noticeable. I think his inconsistency is bigger than any of the running backs on our team. So if he does get an extended amount of carries for whatever reason, I think I would take it with some concern. I would believe in his ability, but again, you see how he's fumbled, you see how he's not hitting lanes properly, and it's frustrating to watch, it really is, and I still think he's a good capable backup to Mostert and a good capable backup to Coleman, but from what I've seen from him the past few weeks, it hasn't been impressive, it's quite frankly been concerning, 
and and again, if he gets those carries, man, I I would look at each carry and probably close my eyes, dude. Because if he fumbles, I mean, in the Super Bowl, oh, I think I'll I think there's gonna be a TV remote through my TV, dude. I will be so frustrated. Man, all right. I mean, I I I see what you mean, but I, I also keep telling myself, or I keep asking myself rather, how much of that can be attributed to him being rusty and him being. Uh, not you know in the game as much as he had been earlier in the season, but then I keep telling myself also he was fumbling even when he was in the game a lot and you know hot and have the hot hand it still was an issue, so I think that there is some level of concern there. Um, I would hope that that would be something that they work on leading up to the Super Bowl because. Man, like I said earlier, something like that, a fumble and a key drive could really, really shift momentum uh, the opposite way. And that's definitely not something the 49ers want to happen. So I, I you just got to hope that Coleman is able to give it a go. And if not, Mostert is able to take the, the bulk share of the carries. And, you know, you really got to limit Breedis' workload if that's the case because, you know, it, it's almost the same with Jimmy Garoppolo. We were just talking about minimizing risk and potential for, you know, bad plays and turnovers. The same can be said about Matt Breida. As, as you know, potentially, as, as much potential as he has, excuse me, he does have some some downside. And some of the downside is he, he's been known to not be able to carry on to the ball. And that's huge, especially in a, a game as giant as a Super Bowl. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, speaking of the running backs, Anthony, we've been talking about it pretty much this whole episode. Raheem Mostert had the game of his life on Sunday. What allowed him to have that sort of success? I think it was just more than Kyle's play calling, dude. I think it was just Raheem Mostert being fast, being smart, having fantastic ball vision, knowing where the lanes are, knowing how to evade tackles. I mean, the dude averaged 7.6 yards a carry. I think it was at halftime before he kind of started getting the garbage carries. He he was averaging 10 yards a carry. I think at one point he had 10 carries, 110 yards. Ridiculous. Absolutely filthy. It was a mix of good play calling, good offensive line play, but I think Raheem Mostert really was just the one doing the whole thing. Even when the line didn't protect that well, he was still making plays. Obviously, he said he had over 150 yards after contact. That's insane, dude. That's absolutely insane. He wasn't really getting hit in the backfield much, but even when he was, I think he was still getting a good four or five, six yards. And I mean, the guy falls forward. You know, that's why I like about Jeff Wilson a little is that even when he gets tackled, he'll fall forward for another three or four yards. Most of it looks like he falls forward for like a whole, whole ass first down. So you look at how effective Mostert is, and all you can say is just, wow, dude, his performance on Sunday, remarkable, truly, truly remarkable. And I mean, it's the first time we've ever seen a running back rush for over 200 yards and score four touchdowns in a postseason game. Again, absolutely unbelievable. Do I think he'll have this kind of game coming up? Shoot, I hope so. Maybe not 200 yards, but I think he can break 100. But do I think he can be this dominant the way he was against the Packers? Against the Chiefs, who have the 29th ranked run defense, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think Mostert can absolutely shred these guys apart, dude. Mostert, Mostert looks like the real deal, and he's gotten limited carries all season. Everyone's been screaming for him to get more carries, and now that he's getting his more carries, dude, I don't think there's a single unhappy person 
in football and Niners fandom, Mostert's just getting the job done. And again, it sucks not seeing Garoppolo pass. We were joking about how, like, when's Garoppolo going to pass again? He's only passed it six times. When is he going to pass again? But the reality of it is that you have a running back who's having a career day, who's honestly having really a career resurgence after getting cut so much, and he's making the most out of all of it. So if they need to feed Mostert and Mostert's going to play like that, no problems with me, dude. Absolutely no problems at all. He he really, really deserves it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of touched on it there. The fact that he was cut by so many teams, um, I think he has that hunger and that drive to just, you know, not be afraid of failure and sort of embrace the failure. And I think that allows him to run so hard on game day. And just, you know, he, he said it in the post game after on Sunday that he has his notes app and his phone and he has all of the dates that he was cut by the other previous six teams. And he looks at that, those dates every single day or every single game day before kickoff to sort of remind himself how far he's come. And man, I know I'm kind of getting into a tangent here in that, you know, you're probably wondering how did this allow him to run so well on Sunday? But I think all of that factors in to the motivation and just the drive that he has and he just the sheer will that he he displays on the on the field, man, it allows him to just go off. I mean, honestly, and it's always a cliche you hear. Oh, this team wanted it more. Blah, blah, blah. This team wanted it more. I honestly think Mostert just wants it more than a lot of these defenders, than a lot of you know even other running backs. So I mean, and you know, more schematically wise, the offensive line was playing lights out. I mean, Joe Staley. Juszczyk, McGlinchey, and the wide receivers, man. They were blocking like they were freaking offensive guards. I saw Debo out there. I saw Sanders out there. I, I saw a quote from Emmanuel Sanders afterwards saying, you know, I realized pretty late or pretty early into the game that I wasn't going to get that many targets. I might as well start having some fun blocking. So, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's turned this team into a run-first team, and it looks like they're loving it. And I I love it too because, man, look at the, look at the results. So... I think all of those factors allowed Raheem Mostert to go into the game and just ball out. And not only that, his speed, his vision, like you said, his ability to find the open hole and just cut through that and go unscathed is just, and it's it's uncanny. And, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to find another running back that, that has that ability, especially, you know, this late into the season. Man, he's he's really hitting his stride at the perfect moment for the 49ers. Now, Anthony, moving on to the wide receivers, we saw Debo catching some passes in the first quarter early on, and I remember looking to you and talking to you when we were in the stands, and I said, hey, man, in the last episode, I said Debo was going to ball out, and it looked like he was on his way to having a big game receiving-wise, and then the offense went in a whole different direction and went strictly to the running game. Um, What type of mentality do you think the receivers have to have in order to be happy and just as happy blocking as they would have been if they had a big day receiving. You know, there's a lot of players that are selfish in the league, and you look at guys like Antonio Brown, who at one point was like, I I block when I want to, and it's like, dude, you're fantastic and you're a talented football player, but if you're going to play the game, you got to 
you got to really fully play the game. And I think the one thing Shanahan does very well regarding his wide receivers is that he gets them on the same page and he gets them to enjoy blocking. And it's really weird. And even the tight ends, obviously, you know, obviously George Kittle is just another type of beast. But when you see him laughing and smiling out there when he's pancaking dudes, you don't see tight ends do that at all. And again, I know George Kittle is different, but the fact that he has that mentality, I think that speaks on behalf of how Shanahan is coaching these guys. And you see the same thing with Sanders, Debo, Bourne. They downfield block better than any wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. And these guys enjoy it. They have fun. And they're not selfish. They're not selfish guys at all. And I think you have that kind of mentality when you're blocking. You are blocking and you are trying to honestly take out the dude in front of you. And you need to, you have one job, block him, open up a lane for your running back to hit the third level, score a touchdown, get an extra 10 yards, whatever it may be. And these wide receivers, you know, like Sanders and Bourne, they have this job and they execute very well. And if they weren't happy, I honestly don't think they'd be executing well at all. And we see it happen in the league all the time. You know, we see guys give up on blocks. We see guys that where it feels like they don't try. And that's just a leak. That's just how it is. But I think these guys are genuinely happy. And when you have maulers at wide receiver who can block just as well as they catch and pass, I think that speaks to their entire mentality as a whole. Again, these guys are playing their asses off. It doesn't matter what job it is they have to do. They'll go out there and do it. And whatever it is, I really think they genuinely enjoy it. And they genuinely do it very, very well. And that's a huge reason why Mostert ran for 200-plus yards. And obviously, it's a big reason why the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Everyone's on the same page. The chemistry is flowing very well. And you have these guys playing at this kind of level. They can really achieve anything, and that should give them all the confidence in the world to to really block as well as they catch. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on what I was thinking in the, in the beginning of your answer there. It, it, it really speaks to a team-first mentality and none of these guys are, are Mimi type of receivers. Uh, they're not diva types. And, you know, they're, they're willing to put the team, you know, the result as a team over their individual stats. And I think that that's huge. And I think that's really the type of players that you need in order to have a successful Super Bowl run. And, you know, not only that, but I think it really, really speaks to how well they hit on this Emmanuel Sanders trade. Because, man... A guy as talented as Emmanuel Sanders and as experienced, and you know he's been to two Super Bowls, he's got some rings. He is more than happy with the 49ers blocking. That I think that speaks volumes to the the just the mentality and the, the overall spirit of this 49ers team, because they're happy doing whatever coach asks them to do because they know it's for the greater good. I mean, they know that the outcome is going to be what they want and it's just a different way of getting there so i i really do think that it's it's huge and you know it 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 really speaks to like i said guys willing to put the team before themselves not so caught up in their own individual stats and you know you got guys going into contract years rookies looking to prove themselves people hoping that they're going to make their team next year they're not even worried about that they're they're more concerned with putting the team first making sure that they get to where they want to get to and they'll worry about all of that afterwards. So I think that, you know, the coaches have done a hell of a job getting these guys ready and the mentality, the spirit, the overall mood of this locker room. I think it's, you know, it's uncanny and the chiefs are going to have a hard time, man. 
<laughs> but like I said, we'll get into that later on in the week. We'll have a whole preview for you guys. Um, Anthony, moving on to the 49ers offensive line. How did they neutralize the Smith bros of the Green Bay Packers? If you were to ask me if those guys even played, I would have laughed, dude. I would have really laughed. I mean, they didn't have the chance to really rush Jimmy Garoppolo at all. And even when Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back for eight passes, it didn't feel like he was getting pressured at all. So it was just really one-on-one matchups with those guys, man. Joe Staley, Mike McClinchy, you know, Raheem Mostert, Coleman before he got hurt. And I think Breida might have been in for a snap, too, on top of check. They were picking up their blocks, and Jim, when Jimmy Garoppolo was passing, he had a clean pocket. And, again, you know, when you have a clean pocket, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo can make good things happen. When you have your tackles that are playing at a very high level, it doesn't matter who the edge rusher is. They're going to neutralize him, and they're going to do it well. And that's what McGlinchey and Staley did. But the thing is, and I really want to hit this point, is that they're not good at run defense at all. Zadarius and Preston both have, you know, struggled throughout the season in run defense, and look what happened. You know, you have plays like Mostert's 36-yard touchdown. I think that was the first touchdown. Or Mostert cutting to the outside, Debo Samuel doing end-arounds, and these edge rushers can't catch up to him at all. And even when they do play it, they don't play it well, and they miss the tackle. And it's hard to be a pass rusher and really make those kind of run stops when your job is to hit a quarterback who's really not moving. So they did a fantastic job of neutralizing those guys by just running around them, using speed, using a fantastic zone-blocking scheme to their advantage, and getting the job done. Again, I honestly wouldn't have thought that those two guys played at all, really. And I do respect both of their games. They both had very solid seasons aside from each other. But, man, they they got shut out of the ballpark for the most part, dude. And and it was just solid coaching, solid O-line play, solid running that really just got them the job done. Yeah, I think in the first, I want to say the first quarter or so, and it might not even have been one of the Smith bros, but Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked, and I was kind of thinking, man, I hope this isn't going to be the tone set for the Green Bay Packers defense. But it, it definitely was not. Um and, you know, like you said, they're not great run defenders. And the, the 49ers kind of plan, it seemed like, was just to run right at them the whole night. And they had no answer for it. Like you said, if you had a bet on it, you would think that they got taken out in the first quarter because I didn't hear their name called once after the first quarter. And, I, you know, I rewatched the game because, uh, you know, it's always different when you watch it in person and then you go home and watch it on TV and even on TV, man, it was like, where are the Smith brothers? This is all I was hearing about all week heading into this game. How the 49ers, you know, this is a different Green Bay Packers team. This is a different set of Smith brothers going in. And, man, I didn't see any difference. If anything, they were worse. Um, they, they had another no-show. And I think it just proves the 49ers are really just at a different level than a lot of these teams in the NFL. There are very few teams that can, you know, keep par with the 49ers because they're a talented bunch, man. They're they're a really talented team, especially on offense, but even more so on defense. So, man, it, it I think the 49ers just did a good job neutralizing them. They were running right at them. They were always had a lead blocker in front, whether it was Debo coming around, Juice checking the backfield, guards pulling. It seemed like they always had a plan and they always had uh, guys on them to make sure that they were not wrecking the game, turning it over. 
uh, like we saw J- Jadavian Clowney do earlier in the year, the first time we saw the Seahawks. Um, Anthony, moving on to kind of special teams aspect, we saw Robbie Gold hit from 54 yards out, and I, I believe that was the, the, the first he hit over 50 all year, if I, if I heard that correctly. Um, definitely in the postseason. Is he back to his old self? I mean, I know we saw him after his holdout in the preseason. He kind of came in, and man, he missed like seven, eight kicks, I want to say, off the top of my head. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, it seemed like there was something wrong with him. But in the last couple of months, or last couple of weeks, rather, he's kind of been getting back to that old, reliable, good-as-gold status that we've been used to seeing. Do you think Robbie Gold is back? Yeah, I think he's back, and I think the talk regarding his play should be shut down immediately. The dude hit a 54-yarder. It looked like, at least from my perspective, was sitting in the stance, it looked like it would have had another couple yards and it still would have made it. But I think he's back. He has Kyle Nelson. He has his long snapper that he really likes for some reason. And I didn't know long snappers make a difference, but apparently they do. And ever since Nelson came back, ever since Gold got healthy, Gold has been gold. So I can't complain much about it, dude. He hit his first 50 of the season. It came at a really important time. And his play like that out in this upcoming Super Bowl is going to make the difference. You know, the Niners have struggled in the red zone this season, although they have improved from last season. Obviously, that was without Garoppolo. But they're going to need gold, dude, because if the Niners can't score touchdowns in the red zone, every field goal matters against this heavy Chiefs offense, dude. And I believe in gold. I think he's back. I think he's ready to ball out. You know, his contract to begin with looked like a mess because of how bad he was playing. But now that he's playing at an elite level, if you will, I think there's nothing to worry about, man. I think gold is absolutely ready to face the next challenge, and that's the Super Bowl. He's proving himself, and I think he can keep proving himself throughout the rest of the playoffs, if you will. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's he, he held out for more money. The 49ers gave him more money. And now it's up to him to prove that he was worth it. Um, you know, there's no bigger stage, like you said, than the Super Bowl. I really, really hope it doesn't come down to Robbie Gold and his leg. But man, if it does, I, I think that um, he's he's hitting his, his, his prime right now, at least of this season. And I hope that he's able to come through for the 49ers. He's looked really good the last couple of weeks, man. Um, you know, he's been able to hit everything and... I think it's the perfect time for the 49ers to kind of get everything together. They're getting healthy. Players are hitting their stride. You know, players are having career days like Mostert. And, you know, Robbie Gold's looking like the Robbie Gold of last year. And, you know, so, man, there's just a lot of good things that the 49ers are doing right now. And it's going to be, they're going to be a tough team to stop. Um, Now, we're going to kind of go ahead and wrap it up here, guys. Before we head into our standard shout outs, um, Anthony, is there anything you wanted to touch on? I think what, you know, I saw this thing that Nick Wright was like, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to need to compete with Mahomes, but he is going to need to have this 18 of 25 game. And I need to re-listen because it sounded like people were getting really upset over what he was saying. And honestly, I, I don't know. I don't think Garoppolo is going to have to have like that 40 pass game, but I think Nick is right in a sense. <laughs> Nick Wright. I think he's right in a sense, though. I think Garoppolo is going to have to have a 25 to 30 completion pass kind of game or attempts and pass kind of game where that ratio is going to have to be solid if they want to beat the Chiefs. But 
in all events, dude, I think Nick Wright is dumb. <laughs> I think half the time he's very illogical, and whatever he says, I think it's just for attention, clicks, and likes. If Garoppolo can get the job done, he's proven it time and time again. I think he can get it done in the Super Bowl. And if he needs to pass 30 or 35 times, so be it. He's done it before, and he absolutely can do it again, dude. It's just, it's amazing It's amazing to me that the criticism he's facing because he's only had to pass the ball 20 times in two games is absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense to me. Like, like people don't understand that, like, he... He hasn't had to pass the ball. He hasn't needed to genuinely pass the ball when the Niners are in a close game and they've been winning. They've been winning with him only passing it eight times or ten times. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay. That's why I really enjoy what Colin Cowherd is saying because Jimmy Garoppolo is winning games. He's proven he can pass and win games. And if he's going to need to do it against the Chiefs, I think he can absolutely do it. 100% no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, like we've said, you know, this whole episode and kind of all season long, the disrespect has been nonstop, not only towards the 49ers, but to Jimmy Garoppolo especially. I mean, it's like, no matter what he does, it's like, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's like, man, the dude has been balling out. Give him some respect. And like I said earlier, because he's got a dominant run game and a dominant elite defense, you're going to fault him for that? Like, it just makes no sense to me. I mean... He's proven when necessary, he's able to make the throws. He's able to compete. He's able to go into a shootout and win. So I, I just really don't understand. But hey, man, keep sleeping on him. You know what I mean? Like this 49ers team, they've done really well all year with that underdog mentality. Keep doing it. Keep doubting them. Keep, you know, putting them as, you know, the, the putting the opposing team as favorites. And just wait and see what they're going to do because... They're loving it. I can tell you that right now. They're loving being underestimated. They're loving being underdogs. And I think they're loving proving people wrong. And that's Jimmy Garoppolo included. I mean, he was what? Like 22 yards away from 4,000 yards this season? Man, that's the best season a 49ers quarterback has had since I think Jeff Garcia. So he's he's a talented guy. And I, I can't stand the disrespect. But let's go ahead and move on to our standard shout-outs. Um, do you want to alternate? Do you want me to take a couple first? Let me get mine out of the way, man. I, I'm not going to shout out Mostert because I, I feel like you're going to say Mostert. But, I mean, shout out to the offensive line. Shout out to the tight ends, dude. Levine Toilolo actually got a good amount of snaps for the first time in a while. And he was very efficient as a run blocker. George Kittle, very efficient as a run blocker. Staley, McGlinchey, Tomlinson, Person, Garland. All of these guys were absolutely phenomenal blocking on Sunday. So that's going to be my only shout out, dude. And obviously shout out Kyle Shanahan for calling another hell of a game, but I got to give so many props to the offensive line, Zach. They, they far exceeded how well I thought the Niners are going to run against the Packers. And I knew they were going to run well. I didn't think they were going to run 200 yards from one person. Well, but I thought they were going to run well, man. And again, they exceeded expectations and they absolutely got the job done. Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. I, I couldn't believe <laughs> that that actually happened, that we were witnessing that in person. It was so surreal that the 49ers and Raheem Moster specifically was able to do that. But I mean, there were so many things that allowed that to happen, like you said. Um, I have a couple shout outs I want to get into. My first one is just, you know, when when you think of this Chiefs versus 49ers narrative, 
a lot of it, what you think of is, you know, the 49ers aren't the more, um, the, the Chiefs, excuse me, are the better team on offense. And it, that's really not the case. I mean, the 49ers, I think they're ranked fourth overall in total offense. And meanwhile, the Chiefs are six. So there's this narrative for some reason that they're going to have to keep up with the Chiefs offense when in reality, you know, it may be the other way around. We don't really know. Um, and also, I want to give a shout out to, like you said, Debo, or excuse me, Raheem Mostert. Mostert balled out after being with six different teams in his career. He finally found a home with the 49ers here. And I mean, I hope the guy gets a huge contract extension because he really deserves it. Um, he He's led the 49ers in rushing this year. And man, if you would have told me in the beginning of the year that the 49ers leading rusher was going to be Raheem Mostert, who was primarily known as a special teams ace back then, I would have thought you were crazy, but he, he balled out and he deserved it. So shout out to him. Um, also, shout out to Joe Fan. I mean, the guy is out there working for uh, NBC Pacific Northwest, I believe is what they're, they're called. And he tweeted out a couple days ago before the, the game. He tweeted, quote, I've seen a few people pick the Packers, but I'm yet to see a quality explanation for how they're going to beat the 49ers. I just don't see it. The Niners are the better team across the board, and it's not close. Sunday will be week 12 all over again, unquote. So shout out to Joe for seeing it and knowing uh, that the 49ers really are that team and the Packers are just not on the level. And, you know, shout out for being, you know, still objective and realistic. Obviously, he's not a fan. He's not somebody who's, I mean, <laughs> Joe fan. He's not a fan. Sorry. But he's not going to be, you know, like other, you know, he's, he's, he's a media member. He's a professional He's able to see things objectively, and I also saw him congratulate the 49ers team that he was with for a number of years for making it to the Super Bowl. Um, I actually wish he was still a part of, of the 49ers organization for this uh, just experience because he is a really good dude. So shout out to him. And uh, also my last shout out, uh, Max Kellerman. And I don't say this much. I don't agree with Max much, but I believe when the whole Jimmy Garoppolo trade happened, he was one of the few people out there claiming that New England was going to regret this trade and that the 49ers really, really got a steal here. And, you know, it came up again the other day and I watched it and man, he was spot on. He was spot on saying that Tom Brady's about to go into, into a, in a steep decline performance wise. And Jimmy Garoppolo, there's got to be some reason why Bill Belichick wanted to keep him over Tom Brady. So, you know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has definitely turned into a franchise quarterback for the 49ers. And, you know, like I said earlier, this is just his first full season as a starter. So I'm super excited to see where he's going to go in his career with the 49ers. And, you know, hopefully lead us back to the Super Bowl very soon. That's going to be it for us today, guys. We really, really appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, this has been our recap of the NFC Championship game. The 49ers whooping the Packers into oblivion. Um, if you guys like what you hear and you're listening on iTunes, please do us a favor and leave us a nice review. We check them all out. We appreciate them. Uh, thank you guys very much for those who have already left one. Uh, you can follow me at Zach Hernan. You can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. Anthony, you got any final words here? No, Zach, this is a fantastic podcast. 
Can't wait for us to break down the Chiefs game, really go in depth about that. Hopefully get a guest or two on because I know I know we got some stuff in the works like that. So, we'll, you know, we'll keep you guys posted. We'll keep ourselves posted. But as always, guys, thanks for listening. Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 E-R-S. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Have a good one.